We all know sales is the lifeblood of any business. Um, so how would you like to hear how someone went from first zero to 10K in his first 30 days and then went across to building multiple seven-figure businesses with co-founders uh, in under a year? I'm very, very interested in what the sales system was to do that. And that's why you're going to learn from my guest today, Ray Payne, exactly that. Have you ever heard a story that just made you feel, wow, I'm ready, I'm fired up? A story that captures everyone's attention and gets you to spread it to all your friends? Or how about a story that creates real impact and connection with the audience? Why do stories do this? And how can we create stories like this in business? I've been obsessed with figuring these questions out. I've been starting and failing multiple online businesses now for two years, struggling to find an audience I truly wanted to serve. It wasn't until I discovered my dream customers were struggling with these exact questions, except I didn't know where to find these people. I hopped on a plane to the US to attend a marketing conference that I met my dream customers, and I saw firsthand how powerful stories really are. After that, I went all in on my hunch. If you're looking for the real secrets behind how stories can get your audience fired up to take action and to change their lives through your words, this podcast is for you. My name is Jules Dan and this is Storytelling Secrets. Right, I'm going to have some fun with this little preamble for my guest today um, because Ray is actually, he's come on my podcast before and you may not know this, but I usually used to have an old podcast. Uh, it was back when Jules Dan was finding his feet in the online world. I just started publishing because people said started publishing. It was on a podcast called Focused Entrepreneur Radio. You probably can't find it now because I'm not paying for hosting for it anymore. But Ray was one of those ho- uh, guests and at the time, um, Ray was... He was doing. He's doing his own little side hustle. You know, he was doing uh, e-com at the time. I thought he was a good fit because he's a few steps in front of me. He was doing three k a month while working at a full-time job. And um, after I sort of, you know, that podcast fizzled out, and on my own little journey, you know, I just lost contact with uh, with Ray, as you do. You know, still had him in my phone, and then. I remember one day, now just, this might be a bit vulgar, but I was on the toilet, like don't deny, everyone's on the toilet and on the phone sometimes, and I was just on Instagram, really bored, but don't ever go on Instagram, I still got a pretty, I just got an account, and I see Ray, like literally absolutely killing it, I'm like, is, is he just putting on this facade or something, and I looked into it, I'm just scrolling back through his, his Instagram, I'm like no, like this dude is... I don't know where this has come from, but like literally he's like, he was talking about, he's, he's, he's mentored like 50 people or so, uh, he's got his own group coaching, he does one-on-one coaching, he's got his multiple seven-figure business, I'm like, what the hell, I just missed the middle of the story, and and then I reached out to Ray, I had his number, I'm like, dude, I need you on my podcast, like, <laughs> what, what went down in those 12 months, I'm very, very curious. Uh, Ray is just one of those really driven people. Um, you know that sense of urgency in that dude is just ridiculous. So I'm going to read you out Ray's uh, bio that he sent me. So Ray Pang is a young serial seven-figure entrepreneur who's on a mission to guide 10,000 plus people in their early 20s to the exciting life that was robbed from them by the chains of societal conformity. Oh man, I completely relate with that. He helps people by walking them through specific frameworks that are grounded in his own experiences, which allow anyone to tap into their inner genius to live the life they desire. All right. And Ray gave me heaps of different stuff we could go down. Heaps of different areas. I'd yeah. love to start off at the start because, um, like I said, I missed the middle of your story. Yeah. Um, I missed the how did you go from... Ecom, I think it was like three grand a month when you and I had the last conversation yeah. to what's going on right now. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. just go ahead right now because I'm just going to pre-roll people's intros beforehand. So yeah, yeah I'd love to hear that a little story. Awesome. Um, so essentially, um, when we last had the conversation, I know I was trying to start my own e-commerce business while you know juggling my full-time job. And I mean, that was yeah making like three grand a month, which is, which is all right. And we all know for e-commerce, the profits are like 30%. 
of whatever you're you're making per se. So it wasn't like a lot. And what I ended up what ended up happening was I kind of lost interest in the e-commerce world because it didn't really align with what I really want to do. There's no, I mean, there's the potential to make a lot of money, but yeah. there wasn't the potential for like impact and influence. And that was the one thing that I was missing and the, the one thing that I wanted to do. Um, and what ended up happening, there was the trigger for me to essentially pivot and start my own um, online marketing and sales agency was when I was made redundant, my nine to five, um, back in August, 2019 last year. So I was notified that my services were no longer required simply because um, they, they, they faced, they had financial issues within the company. And I was like, I mean, I was the only fresh graduate there as, yep. as, as you know, when we, when we last spoke, I was the only fresh graduate there. So I was the first person to get laid off. Right. Yep. So yeah, so what ended up happening was um, I was a little bit stuck because first I'm in a foreign country. I'm, I'm from Singapore, but now I'm living in Australia and stuff like that. And then uh, I had rent to pay, I had bills to pay and there was no income coming in. So um, I decided to invest in a mentor. Invested my last um, savings into a mentor about like 4.2K or 4.4 grand. Yep. To a mentor, I was like, I need to make this work for myself, right? So what ended up happening was I invested everything I have. I gave him my all, I gave him my best shot. I focused on, I gave my 100, 110% focus on essentially implementing everything um, with regards to what he has taught me and fully leveraging my internal network. And what ended up happening was I went from zero to 10K a month in like 30 days. From your mentor? Yeah, not really from my, uh, from my mentor strategies and tactics. And I implemented it, signed a couple of clients and each of each client gave me about like 2.5 K a month. And then I grew from there. So I, I started pivoting yep. into, you know, service-based businesses. So, um, helping them do marketing, helping them do, um, sales funnels, copywriting sales and everything um, on top of that as well. So that was what ended up happening for me. I decided to shift into the service-based business and yeah, managed to grow from there. So, um, yep. yeah, it has been, uh, it has been a, a really interesting journey because that was essentially just my first month into entrepreneurship. I started making like 10 grand a month. Um, I started connecting with high level entrepreneurs, started putting myself in different environments and then moved from Melbourne to Brisbane. I moved from Melbourne to Brisbane to hang out with these high level people, moved from Brisbane to Gold Coast to hang out with more high level people and through the network, through my clientele, through building a team, outsourcing and stuff like that. I managed to grow my, my agency right now. Um, to like hundred grand a month together with three other different businesses nice. operating like online summits, online events and physical events and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it has been a pretty epic journey. Yeah. Yeah. You always make like a little documentary out of that because so many, cause that's almost like the dream that people would kind of sell like this person made it in 12 months and you're like, yeah, sure. But it's really cool to actually hear someone's like, yeah, this actually is possible story. Um, just curious, what were you selling in those first four, two and a half K client retainer packs? Yeah. So essentially I was focusing on um, email marketing. Mm-hmm. So my focus was on um, delivering email marketing for um, my niche was in the online coaching industry. So I started networking with um, self-development coaches, um, coaches with packages and programs and stuff like that. Uh, I started helping them um, do their marketing, do their sales, help them build out their funnels, build out their landing pages, build out their email marketing. And email marketing, I usually charge like a retainer of 2.5K a month. Um, And on top of that, I was doing a little bit of sales on the side, online sales, helping these online coaches, you know, close um, commission deals in their their messages, in their inboxes. And I was getting like 25% commission for every sale made and stuff like that. So that actually really elevated my income with regards to um, the income potential because the more sales you close, the more commissions you make. Yeah. Okay. So you were like, I'm going to imagine hectic, busy, all yeah. those different things. How many, what was in, what was in that email retainer pack? Yeah. In the email retainer pack, it's pretty much quite straightforward. So it's like um, daily emails. So writing yep. daily emails for the email marketing list, list segmentation, managing their, managing their email marketing software and platform. Segmenting, yeah, segmentation of the of the of the target audience depending on what promos they are at, helping them write emails for their promos and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty hectic in my first month of entrepreneurship. It's like because first I had no idea. I never done really, I I never really done sales in my life, right? Until I reached that point where you had to sell yourself and sell your services. So yeah. that was the only first time that I really learned sales and helping people do sales is like it's a huge steep learning curve for me. And at the same time, I had no idea what copywriting was. 
until you know um, I came into this industry and like, oh, this is the potential for it, and let's just go all in with it. Holy crap! Yeah, I don't know how you manage the email and all the in in the box and the CRM stuff as well. Like, and times that by four. Like, I'm guessing it would have been like 10, 12, 14 hour days. Yeah, yeah, about ten to twelve hours a day. Ten to twelve hours per day spent um delivering insane results for these clients. Crazy. And yeah, that's the thing. Like for me, I wasn't too hung up on acquiring as many clients as possible. The only reason why I grew so fast was when I first when I signed my first client, I gave my all. So I was giving everything I have to him or her, right? And then I was delivering all the insane results for them. And what happened that happened happening was because they were seeing the results that I've gotten for him, he decided to refer me to his network as well. So in a way, I didn't really do a lot of client acquisition, but yeah. I tapped into his networks and then he referred me into his networks and then I started growing from there. Okay. Copywriter for the industry. Yeah. Okay. So, but those first four initial clients, did you have to prospect them or were they an introduction from your mentor? I had, I had to prospect them. So, uh, so I had to, I, I was leveraging Instagram. I was like, reach, I was reaching out to, um, reaching out to them via code DMs, reaching out to them via engaging with the social media posts, um, building relationship and rapport with them before um, like identifying what they exactly need from me. And then I was doing, I was doing a work for them for free for the first two weeks. So I was like, hey, I'm willing to um, help you work for free because I've, I've got no case studies, no yeah, test yeah, yeah. I'm a brand new person. I'm not going to do this work for you for free for two weeks and then see where that takes me. And then um, they saw the results in the first two weeks and then they signed me on as a service provider at the end of the two weeks. So I got my first paying client like that. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff that people aren't willing to do. Um, yeah. The real hard grunt work for at least, and for two weeks as well. Like, yeah, there's, there's a lot. That's probably like at least 20 hours sunk in just yeah. for that. And also because that was the average per se and I, I had no experience. So all I had to do was like take a look at what the benchmark was and just copy and paste and see what happens. Okay. Okay. All right. I like going down this road because you said that you started to do also closing people in their inboxes. I'm going to guess that's social media and email. Yep. Social media and email. Yep. Okay. Um, Cause what I've sort of realized in the last, so I, I did not understand the direct, direct message sales game for so mm. long. I was always chasing the secrets. Um, yep. It's only up until the last month that I've discovered how to use voice, voice direct messaging inside LinkedIn really effectively. Um, mm. And that's just being a human, just getting to know what their problem is and then giving them, Hey, would you like some help with that? Or had you asking like, um, do you have a plan? Say if they've got a launch coming, have you got a plan for your launch? No, I don't. Okay. Something like that. So um, yeah. we've got a whole framework for that. And that is built upon because one of um, one of my mentors, he essentially, um, has this framework that I used to essentially build my sales qualifying framework. Mm-hmm. And that is the fundamental and foundational framework on which we build all our sales conversations upon. Of course, when it comes, when, whenever I talk about sales, when it comes to sales, I always focus on let's not stick to scripts. Yes, scripts is good when it comes to preparation, mm-hmm. but you need to understand the principles behind sales and why people do what they do before you create a script based on that. Because every single industry is different. Every single clientele is different. So yes, you need, you need to have scripts just to make it easier but you need to build those scripts upon principles. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very, very important. So um, when it comes to a framework for conversational sales, the first thing you want to really think about is putting yourself in the shoes of the client or the potential client as to where they are at in the customer journey, which is very, very important because if you know where they're at, then you can essentially ask the right question to bring them down that path. And when it comes to sales as well, like what, especially when it comes to conversation sales, one of the few tips and tricks that I always um, discuss with all my clients is really um, understanding that sales is a straight line path, right? Very similar to what Jordan Belfort talks about, like the straight line sales system and stuff like that. But really sales is that one path to conversion. Like if whenever you ask a singular question, you want them to keep them on that path as much as possible. Because if you ask a question that it results in an answer deviating from that path, it's very hard for, that, for you to bring them back again into that, into their mindset of, oh, this is yep. what we're going to be discussing. Could you give me something wrap? Could you give an example of what that might look like? Yeah. So for example, like um, let's say let's say you're co-DMing, right? You're reaching out to someone, right? And you're trying to build a relationship or rapport with them. Mm-hmm. And some people will go into um replying to the stories. Some people will go into, oh, that's a very that's a nice dog. That's an awesome cat that you have there, whatever it is. Like yeah. doing it for life, whatever it is, right? Just to build the relationship and the connection. But then they fail to realize that by doing that, you're putting yourself in the friend zone. You're putting yourself in the friend zone because mm-hmm. you're not targeting exactly what the business is about 
or what the expertise is about so that you can transition that relationship and rapport building into the sales qualifying conversation. Yep. Right, which is very, very important. So whenever we do almost like, a, when, we, when we approach sales, when we approach like a cold DM, whatever it is, we always like to approach from an angle where we already know what the potential outcome of the sales conversion is going to look like. So based on the outcome, we decide what should the starting point be. So for example, right, if you want the outcome to be, let's say, converting onto a transformational, let's say a transformation, transformational coaching package or self-development coaching, coaching package, then the starting point, what you want to be focusing on is building a relationship by starting the conversation by focusing on a post or a content that they're sharing that talks about self-development and not anything else. So that you can transition that conversation into a qualifying framework that ends up in the self-development coaching package so that it makes sense on the congruent level. That right, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's making sense. So um, it, you're really trying to find um, something that you can lash on to. That's the keyword that's relevant, relevant yeah. to your sales conversation. Um, exactly. So, so then what would be that segue, that sort of transition? How would you phrase it from, I really enjoyed this piece of content because of X and they say, yeah, sure. Thank you very much. Then what's that segue? What's that transition look like? So for example, right. Um, let's say um, you want to, um, let's give an example. Let's say you're trying to sell them on a six month fitness program. All right. Let's say for example, you want to sell them a six month fitness program. Mm -hmm. So when you take a look at the profile, right. When you take a look at the profile, first you want the prospect, which means you need to determine whether their profile looks like someone that could invest in the package that you're selling. That's the first step. There's always the first step. When you right. say profile, sorry to interrupt, is this uh, what platform or is just any platform? Can be Instagram, can be Facebook, can be LinkedIn. Facebook, focus on what they are posting. What content mm -hmm. are they posting? Do their profile looks legit? Are they like um, like just someone who posts random stuff that might be, not be a right fit for your program or someone who actually have a solid social media profile that actually could invest in your program? Instagram, the same thing. Take a look at their profile, take a look at their content, see what are some of the conversations they're having, what are some of the posts that they're posting to see if they're right mm -hmm. fit for your program. LinkedIn, the same thing. Um, LinkedIn is easier because they've got the job titles and stuff like that. Yeah. That's why I love LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is pretty good. Um, but besides that, that's essentially prospecting. So ensuring that they're targeting the right people that could be a part of, uh, of the program that you're offering, if that makes sense. All right. So the first part is prospecting. Then the second part is when you reach out to them. When, as, as you've said, for example, we reach out to a content that talks about, let's say this person is talking about, oh, I want to become healthy. I want to be fitter. I want to be... Uh, or they're doing an active lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle, whatever it is, then you could approach them, share that post to them in the DMs or whatever it is, and say that, hey, um, I, love, I love the content that you're putting out, and they give a valuable, genuine content. For example, if they're doing, um, uh, like doing something called run, like running exercises, whatever it is, mm -hmm. then you could talk about like active living, how um, I love that you're putting out this content so valuable to everyone out there, and it's so valuable to your audience. And it is important for people to know that sustainable health, a sustainable healthy lifestyle involves like fitting in active living into your lifestyle. As active living is not about like fitness, it's not about like getting bigger, getting stronger. It's also about how to fit into your hectic lifestyle. And I love that you're sharing this, All right? So, um, and then you can ask them like, what, what do you reckon is the fundamental aspects of um, active living everyday lives? And then they, will, then they will reply, whatever, whatever that their opinion is because people like to be heard. And when they talk about the opinion, then you can ask them, so what do you do for yourself with regards to that? All right, that's how you transition. Because the first question that you should always ask people to bring them down the sales qualifying process is what is your current situation? All right. So what, what, was that, what was that transition line? I just missed it. I didn't quite hear yeah. it clearly. So for example, right, um, the transition is when, a, when, when, they mention, when, when you ask them, like, I love that you're putting out this content. It demonstrates that. Yep shows your audience that active living is very important in your daily yep. lives, whatever it is. And then what do you think about active living? What, what, what do you think, think of this, right? Yeah, and then yeah, they reply yeah. with their opinions. And when they reply with their opinions, um, you acknowledge that. So you acknowledge that that's awesome. I love, I love that you're on the same page as me. What do you do yourself when it comes to active living? Right? What do you do for yourself when it comes to active living? Yeah. This is, the, this is where you slowly transition. Uh, so okay. Get them to describe the current situation to you. So it's a, first off, it's an open-ended question about their content. Um, mm. Then what you do is you pretty much spin it back to them and ask them the same sort of question that they ask to their audience or yep. present to their audience. Um, and then typically what happens after that question? Um, I'm going to guess some people give you a one-word response. Some people don't say anything. And 
and a lot of other people will just give you like a half page sort of response. Mm. So yeah. it's a mixed bag of in different directions you could go. Um, so I'm curious to hear what your strategy might be, especially if say you get that one word response because um, you went to all that effort. Maybe there's some way you can rope them back in. Yeah. So um, yeah. So based on your scenario, there are two scenarios. One, no reply, right? Um, left, left you unseen and no reply. Yeah. Second one is a one word reply. And then the third one is a half page long, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Right? So the, we all know what are the, who are the, which category is the low hanging fruit, right? The half page long response, that's mm-hmm. the low hanging fruit. That's the one that you want to monetize straight off the bat. So when you do prospecting, when you call, when you reach out to these potential clients, it will, like these three will happen all the time. And most often than not, 50% of the time, you'll be left on scene and no one replies. Yep. Right? The Probably remaining, good. yeah, the remaining um, 40%, right, are the people who give you one word replies. Right. And then there are the 10% or 15% who give you like a half page long response. Right. Yep. So other people I'm are completely like, resonating with you because this is exactly accurate. What's happening inside my LinkedIn <laughs> messenger. So sorry, keep going. I'm just smart. Exactly. exactly. This so this is where you need to be smart when it comes to leveraging your time, leveraging your efforts. So when it comes to these three people, the first category that you want to touch base with first is the people who give you the half page long response. Mm. All right. Touch base with all of them have conversations with all of them because these are the people who are most likely to resonate with you and be, a, and be one of your clients. So yep. you want to focus on them first. And how do you do that? Because they've already opened up, they're telling you their current situation. Then what you want to be doing is focusing on what is the next question you're going to be asking next to continue down, them down that path of purchase, which is emphasizing the gap, which is where they are right now and where they want to be. Mm. Stretching that gap. But how do you do that? You take a look at what they're saying in the first message about the current situation situation identify this is where you need to be very good at identifying what is the significant pain that they need to be that needs to be resolved for them right now all right if there is no pain then you need to essentially ask a second question to dive deeper into the current situation right that if there is that pain or they, they okay there are two there are three different aspects one not enough pain this is where you need to ask another question to dive deeper the second one is that there is one pain point so there is that pain point you want to isolate and focus on then there's a third, multiple pain points, right? They talk about three different things that are, they, are, they are facing right now. So for you to essentially continue down the path of purchase, you cannot focus on all three. You need to focus on the one where you can feel that they are feeling the most pressure on, the most frustration on, and isolate that and then talk about that so they okay. can continue down the path of purchase. So that's the first thing. All right. right? So those are the low hanging fruits. Those who give you one word replies, Right, usually the most, okay, there are a couple of strategies for this. The first strategy that's proven to be the most effective is simply liking that, sharing your final statements with regards to the topic they are covering about and, and leave it at that and see if they reply, right? If they don't, it's all good. Just continue engaging with the content because these people might need more time to warm up to you, which is fine, right? That's the first um, alternative. The second alternative, depending on um, what, they, what they say or one reply say, um, that's awesome, love it then all you need to do is simply like, you need to open up more to them, right? You need to open up more to them and see what they bite on, right? So think of different angles or different questions to ask them to essentially focus, um, in a way, questions that focus on asking them about their current situation. So if you know this angle did not work, active living did not work, perhaps what you want to be doing is take a look at what other posts they're posting and see what other angles you can talk about. Right, because that could that might not be a category or, or a topic that they want to be covering on or touching on because they don't really feel passionate about that. Yep. And based on the service that you're offering and what you can resolve, focus on a different angle to generate a conversation about. Right, so that's the second um, second mm-hmm. second um, strategy. The third one is simply um, just essentially um, liking liking that liking their liking their DMs or whatever is acknowledging the DMs acknowledging the reply, and continue engaging with that post and content and then wait for them to essentially bite on whatever you're offering based on the content that you're putting out. This is the people who ghost you, who don't reply. Mm. How do you acknowledge someone who's, who doesn't acknowledge you? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's just reply, engaging with the content. Just oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. That's, that's the main thing. Like the thing is the more you show up, the more people will know that you exist. Right. So, and, and the reality of the fact is there is no way every single person will want what you're offering. So there will be like majority of the time there will be people who leave you on scene and not replying you at, at, at all. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. And that's what I've sort of always wondered. Like, do I spend more time and energy just 
going after those people who don't like following up the people who said nothing or do I just keep playing the numbers game until you know you hit those 15% of people who do give you those half page and just focus on them and accept that there's an opportunity cost in the process hmm. as I've said like you need a system for that where the system should because what what is the limit what is our limit when it comes to touching base with these people time oh yeah I'll, well, you can do whatever you want, but obviously you don't want to do it longer than an hour or two a day. Right. So what you want to be doing is understanding how much, uh, like let's say potentially how much you want to be working a day based on where you're at. Mm-hmm. Some people who are hustlers might want to work 12 hours a day. So it's understanding how to utilize those 12 hours, breaking it down, let's say majority of the time you want to be spending on touching base with the um, people who will give you half a page replies. So let's say you, you have to put your 100% focus there first. So let's say you take like four hours, which means you have eight hours a day left. Eight hours a day left, what you want to be doing is focusing on the second category, which is people who give you one word replies, people who actually reply you, no matter how short the replies are. You might spend another six hours on that, meaning that you have two hours left. Then the additional two hours, you need to think about what other activities you want to be focusing on your business, whether it's more client acquisition or following up with people who don't reply. You could divide that by two. One hour focusing on people who do not reply, following up on them, and one hour on more client acquisition. Yep how you categorize and break down your business activities throughout your day to make sure that um, you opti- like optimally leverage all everything that you have that makes sense when it comes to revenue generating activities. Yeah. So obviously not everyone's got 12 hours a day to <clears throat> yeah. prospect then, and follow up with people, um, exactly. but you just got to divvy it up to what's time. You got to allocate your time. You got to divvy it up to, like you said, you want to focus hundred percent on the low hanging fruit and then mm. what remains, you still need to be focusing on, those people who need the following up. Okay. Clear on that. I have a question for you to, um, to like, maybe it's a bit of like a advice question, but say like when I try and figure out their pain point, basically what I've done is I've said, what's your key focus on right now? That's my open-ended question. Mm. Um, and some people will be like, I'm working on this launch. I'm like, sick. Tell me more about that launch. And then, um, and then I'll, I'll ask, say, have you got like a plan in place to get people excited, like a pre-launch? Um, so that, because a big mistake I see is that a lot of business owners say, I'm open for business and there's a lot of crickets. Um, and, then, and then some people will say no, but that's how I sort of figure out the pain, whether they have a plan or not. And that's how I've gotten a few leads and a few sales from that. Um, is that sort of the right approach in your opinion? Or could there be a, a bit more smoother, bit better sophisticated way of doing it? Yeah, so... There are, okay, so this is where you go through almost like a, a, a framework. That, okay, the thing is, yes, you wanted to talk about your, their pain, but you want to also demonstrate your expertise at the same time so that when you do that, it's pre-framing them that you are the one who is able to resolve the solution. So not only are you, do you need to talk about their pain, you need to talk about how you as an expert, what can you bring to the table at the same time in a very implicit manner that is not salesy, right, which is the hard part for most people. So one of the frameworks that I particularly enjoy using, mm-hmm. which is, for example, if you talk about what are you currently focusing on right now, and they talk about whatever they want to talk about, blah, 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 um, pain point one, then the next thing you want to be talking about is, all right, so based on where you're at right now, right, because of this particular pain, like where do you want to be going? Where do you want to go in the next 30 days? Like what does your uh, 30 day game plan look like? Like what does your ultimate um, desired outcome look like? Yeah. Right? And then they'll talk about the desired outcome because you're shifting away in a way, you are implicitly suggesting to them or stretching the gap for them that this is where you are right now. This is what you're facing. You talk about the pain point and then this is where you want to be. So there is this gap. So then what you can stress on is what do you think is missing right now for you to get there, right? This emphasizes, this brings a very clear vision to them yeah. as to, oh, I'm actually missing this. Then based on what they're saying, this is when you can start identifying, oh, this is what they're missing. What can I bring to the, ta- bring to the table? They can plug in those gaps. Yeah. Right, which yep. is very, very important. So when you do that, that's the next thing. When, and then they share it. They say, oh, this is what is currently missing for me. And then what you want to be doing is start demonstrating your expertise. All right. So uh, for example, if they talk about what, what they're missing, so this is when you do almost like a ex, like show, few, and ask. It's almost like a few show, ask tactic. So it's a, it's a framework of how you structure your conversations. So for example, if they talk about, oh, this is what's, what's missing right now. Um, number, uh, number one, number two, number three. And what you want to be saying is totally understand where you're coming from. This is called you sh- feeling, feeling the situation, understanding where they're coming from because it's a conversation, it's not an interview. So you want to be feeling them, acknowledging the response. And then you're going to show, you're going to show, yes, 
Um, this is, um, I totally understand where you're coming from. A lot of my clients are really facing the same thing. They're missing exactly what the person is saying. Missing yeah, yeah, yeah. this, missing yeah. this, missing this. But with the right strategies and frameworks, you're, they are able to essentially get away from that and start achieving desired outcome that the, that the prospect itself has stated in the first, um, by answering the second question. So this is called pre-framing. This is called you simply copy pasting the answers so that it makes sense to them in their mind, right? It's called reson it's, it's to resonate with them, right? And then you go into what do you need the most right now? What do you think you need the most right now to help you get out of the situation? Or, how, or if let's say they are a warmer prospect, then it could be what, where, how do you think I can help you with this? Mm -hmm. What do you need the most from me right now? This is when you emphasize that you are the person for it. And then they'll reply. Like yep. this is what I need from you right now. And it's essentially they are selling themselves into your offer. Because mm. they're already describing what's missing. And then they're saying, this is what I need from you right now. And then once that's done, you can ask them like, what's the, is this a priority for you right now moving forward? Or is this more of like, I'll get to it later thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. makes a lot of sense. And, and I've got a devil's advocate question because I've gotten to that point so many times where, where, mm. you, where you mentioned, it's like, what, uh, what do you think you need to do to get there? Is that what you said? What one of the questions was? Maybe I've butchered it a little bit. What means what do you think you need from me right now with regards to what's missing? Yes, what's missing to, like, to get to that next step. And sometimes I've gotten three quarters through the sales process and then they just ghost me. Like it, I won't hear from them again. I'll follow them up. I'll follow them up again, not too hastily as well. Like I'll spread it out, pretend like I'm busy um, and then nothing happens. So yeah, curious to hear. I'm sure you've seen that many, many times yourself. Um, what's yeah. your troubleshooting yeah. uh, little tip there? So with regards to that, um, it really, okay, there are a couple of factors that um, resulted in that that we need to take a look at first to determine like what, what solutions we can have to help you resolve the issue. So the first factor could be because um, the touch point, which means when you first approach them, you're coming from a place where um, they do not know you completely, mm. right? They love the conversation they're, they're having with you. But the moment you talk about what do you think is missing right now, they immediately say that, oh, seems like this guy wants to help me resolve about something that's missing right now. And then they're resistant towards it, which means that they're not warmed up enough to you yet, which is fine. Right, which is fine. This, so this ties into what the content that you're putting out, the message you're putting on your bio, whatever it is, and who you are as a professional. Like what does your profile look like? So this is fine. This, these are people who require just more time to warm up to you. And then you can follow up maybe a month later or two months later because these are really cool people, right? That's the first, that's the first thing. Mm. So the second thing is where, um, what do you think is missing right now and they did not reply? So the second thing is where, for example, how did you pre-frame them throughout the questions? Did you feel enough? Did you show your expertise enough? Did you ask the right questions before you get there? Right. So these are a couple of factors that you want to look at yep. because showing and feeling is very, very important in the conversation, right? You need to feel that in the feel that pain, you need to show exactly what you can bring to the table with regards to that pain in a very implicit manner that pre-frames that subconscious to feel as though, Hey, you totally understand me. And it seems as though, you know, your shit and you're the person for, to help me resolve my solution. Yep. Right, yep. So that's the, second, that's the second factor that we need to look into. The third is essentially, have you essentially amplified the pain points enough? Have you essentially identified or even feedback whatever they're saying back to them enough? Yeah. Essentially determine whether they are essentially saying the pain points enough because you need, to, you need to really isolate those pain points, which is very, very important because there's a lot of clutter when people talk. Right? You need to isolate those pain points and then focus your attention on those pain points. So are you focusing on it, on, on it enough? Or is it a conversation that's more like generic or more overview? And that's why the moment you say what's missing, people are like resistant because there's no focus, there's no specificity and they feel vulnerable into needing to say out that specificity themselves. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Almost like you're paraphrasing it for them, but even though you're still using some of the words just to fill the gaps for them, would that be right? Yeah. I would say most of the time, try to, when you ask the question, try to use as many of their words as possible. Yeah which is very, very important because it's, it builds resonance. Like people like to be heard. And it's like an implicit subconscious thing. I use it all the time. Yeah. I'm just going to have to like go through this again because um, there's a lot of information in this, yeah. obviously, especially if, if this is the first time you're doing it. When you, I'm just curious though, when you said um, show them and you know, pre-frame it before you get to the next question, when you say that, do you actually mean like show them a, a, a case study or show them an example or... Tell them a little story or what do you mean by that? Exactly. 
exactly. So show there are a couple of things you can show. So the first show is demonstrating your authority of almost like, oh, I have uh, a lot of my clients are facing this right now. They're facing the exact solution, pain point, missing point, whatever that you're facing. And then, but because of this particular solution, they're able to get there. All right. So show is all about demonstrating what you have, what you can bring to the table and also demonstrating your potential client results. But at the same time, we tend to get too excited a lot, a lot of the times when it comes to the show stage where we show too much mm. until the prospect is like, why should I even invest in you? Yeah. Or, or it's like, I'm being sold to my barriers going up, um, mm. heaps of different reasons. Um, yeah, so what's, what's the art in showing, but not showing too much. Yeah. So, so what you want to be doing is like, think, think about it. Like when you show it's almost giving people a teaser of what to expect. Right. So it's like, it's, it's very similar to like the offer letter where like, for example, the first offer resolves this pain point, but there's this missing gap that you need that this second offer can fulfill. Right. So when you essentially show, you want to satisfy almost cater to the emotional, emotional aspect of what it means to resolve this pain point. So a little bit of emotional aspect as to what it feels like to resolve this pain point. And then the logic, logical aspect of how you show it is essentially talking about what are some of the potential strategies that will help them resolve this pain point based on what you have. Mm. Make sense? Right. Yeah. So you're satisfying both the emotional and logical. And then at the same time, you do not want to give too much of your game plan. So for example, if you have like a three-step game plan, right? If a three-step game plan to help them do this, then instead of showing them the three-step game plan, tell them the name of the three-step game plan that helps them resolve this. So this is when you show your uniqueness, your expertise, but you do not give them the exact methods on how to resolve it. Okay. All right. That's really interesting. One method I've done for the show, it worked, but maybe you could tell me if you think I can prove it is that pretty much because in my field, it's a service-based business, email copywriting. Mm, right. I could, I, I want to give them all the secrets so they feel like, holy shit, this is way too much. I can't handle it. You yeah. do it for me. And so I've basically written a blog. This is what you need to do for a launch. And it is extremely tedious. I give lots of examples from, from what I've done, what from other people have done. Um, and I'm like, so this is what you need to do. It's a five minute read. Um, all the secrets are there. Uh, but if you're strapped for time or you, you're completely time poor, um, I'm happy to get a call and uh, go through the strategy with you. So it's a lot quicker. So would that be an appropriate show or is it, does it still need to tie in that more emotional logic? And yeah. I would say the most effective show is not showing them that it's overwhelming. And that's why you need to do it for them. The most powerful show is mm -hmm. showing why you are the person to do it for them. Obviously like a case study or a test, something like that would be more beneficial. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> not just a case study, but also showing why your method is different from the rest of the others out there. So this is when you need to demonstrate, like communicate a uniqueness as to your methods as yep. compared to the overwhelming stuff that people need to do that requires you, if that makes sense. Uh, could you give me a uh, reframe that, that little last part? Yeah. Almost so got for it. example, right? Instead of showing people that this is too hard for them to do, yeah. that's what you where you're piling them with information after information on you need to do this. And that's why it's too hard. And that's why you need me. Instead of showing them that, show them why using you will ensure that they become, they, they become the industry standard for their competitors. Mm. Right? Why you can do that for them. What makes you different from the other email marketing um, service providers out there yep. that makes sense to them based on their situation. Because this shows your uniqueness. This shows that you're different. This shows that you're not like any other people out there. And this shows that you're able to produce results on a different level. Mm. Yes. And if you can personalize it in a way that it's not like a cookie cutter template, uh, here's this case study. I'm going to guess that response rate is going to go so much higher. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. And when it comes to case study and testimonial, how you structure those case studies and testimonials is very, very important. Right? So what you want to be doing is like you do not want to just be showing results and results and results because people get numb to it. Is it real? Is it fake? Is it stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. Skepticism. You want to frame those results. This is when we talk about storytelling. You want to frame those results into a story, right? Talk about your client. 100%. Before, what was the pain point that triggered him to take action with you? All right? So that, of course, you want to choose the client, the client um, whose pain points matches the client that you're talking to pain points so that it makes sense to them on the congruence level. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then during the experience with you, what was that like? What makes what made you different? What made you a pleasure to work with as compared to others? All right, that's number two. 
Number three, then the after, what, what do the results look like? What are the results you can expect? So this is satisfied both before, during and after, and then it makes sense to them on a journey level. Yep, those are supercharged testimonials right there. Because um, it's so easy just for someone to be like, hey, this person was amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's even easier to, be, to say, uh, I, I got a, a boost in 10% response rate in my email. I got $10,000 extra from my thing. But yeah. like you said, if you keep seeing those results, you feel a bit numb. But if you strike a nerve where it's like, holy crap, I was in the exact same situation and I want to be where they are right now, Storytelling is the way to go. That's what, what the podcast is all about. Always, yeah. Storytelling is so powerful because people, just storytelling brings <clears throat> people into the journey as well. makes them feel as though they're there. Right? It makes yeah. you relatable. It makes you more like a, like a human, per se. Yes. And, and one thing I actually did, I've got this for a launch coming up. Um, it's, for, uh, it's in the woo-woo space, actually. Self-development um, mindset. Pardon? Is it self-development mindset? Or uh, she's an intuitive coach, meaning she helps people tap into their intuition so they can manifest their, their dreams and stuff. Um, and one of, the, one of the lines I got was to open up the testimony was, I've struggled with problem and I've tried bang, 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 like all the industry stuff that people have gone to before. And then I had this session I've helped, I felt, Freaking amazing! Like what? Like then you describe what life was like. Um, exactly. And uh, I found as soon as I saw that, and it wasn't. I don't know if what your stance on this, but I think it's ethically okay because people aren't amazing writers. But there's a chunk, big chunk of writing there, and I just had to piece a sentence here, piece a sentence here, piece a sentence here. I talked to my client. Hey, is it okay if I string this together? They're just like yes, and then that's got a supercharged testimonial. Exactly. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. As long as um, whatever you're saying is true, it's a fact, mm. put it on there, right? Because people will interpret what people want. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't really control that, right? What you can control is the facts that you're putting up, which is fine, mm. which I feel is fine. And I think that it's really, really powerful because um, it emphasizes, like, the thing is people, people have this logical sense. Like, for example, if you put out a message with regards to what you said, right? Um, I struggled with this, right? In their own words, whatever it is. And I've tried this, 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 this. It builds people into the relatability aspect where, oh, I'm actually struggling with this right now. And yes, I've tried so many other mm. things. It's like, I struggle with this, it's awareness. And I've tried so many other things instead. Like this is amplifying the pain. And that's why it works so well because in one sentence, you're bringing the problem to light, amplifying the problem, and then presenting the solution yeah. to that problem. Yeah. I was ecstatic when I saw that testimony. I'm like, oh, stumbled across some gold here. Hey, Ray, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really cool frameworks. Is there a way that people can come and sort of string it all together or can get a clearer picture do you, uh, of that framework we talked about? I know you, you mentioned to come follow you on Instagram, but if there's anything else so I can get a you know a bit more of a clear uh, picture, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, because I do a lot of service providing for my clients. So yep. uh, if you want like a, like, a, like a brief framework of how we close deals in, in high ticket deals in the DMs, like up to three grand in the DMs and PMs, feel free to essentially um, just message me on Instagram and I'll just send you over the brief framework. Um, that's pretty much it. That yeah. would be helpful. Yeah, really helpful. Because um, like I said, there's heaps of different content. It's always much better if it's in a little piece of there. So exactly. I'm going to leave Ray's Instagram handle in the description, but... Yeah, thanks for coming to Storytelling Secrets. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Anything you'd like to plug uh, to my audience? You're more than welcome. All right. So um, one last thing is I want to focus on is selling. It's all about relationships. All right. So um, we, I know we talk a lot about sales and stuff like that, but one really important thing when it comes to selling is all about relationships, right? Because I find that it doesn't matter what you sell, right? The ability to win that sale will always um, ultimately result in your ability to build some form of a relationship with the buyer. The reason because is like people buy from like people, right? And in a world full of competition, I reckon it can always come down to your ability to really build a better relationship. Mm-hmm. And this involves like building rapport, identifying those needs, showing genuine interest, building trust and adding value. Let's get rid of the myth that sales professionals are sleazy. Because if you can match their needs with what you can resolve, it is your real responsibility to put your message out there so they can help these people get away from their current situation into a better situation. Exactly. So do not think of sales as like something like dirty and stuff like that because it's all about helping mm. and forming positive relationships. Yes. That's and that's one of the biggest mindset shifts, mindset, 
mindset shifts <laughs> I've had this year. Um, yeah. Not necessarily around sa- some someone around sales, but um, around money as well. Um, mm. you know, money helps you live your life. And when you get to the exactly. bottom of it, everyone kind of needs money. Don't push it away. Um, yeah, exactly. Like if you want to help people, what do you need? You need money first. You need, you need more money. Exactly. You develop your survival skills first, then you help people. You want, like, think about it. Like, I do not like donating to charity. I love going to the place itself and helping these people. And that involves money as well, right? Traveling, helping these people in, in, in their locations, putting the money out there. I'm um, using, like, with money as well, it comes impact and influence. And you're able to help so many people, so many more people with their businesses, with their life and stuff like that. So it's, it all comes down to how much money you can you can have to have, essentially bring the impact and influence into your life. Yeah, man, we could do a different topic on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's super, super interesting. Thanks so much for coming on today, Ray. All right. Awesome, Julian. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. And yeah, chat soon, yeah?